Hi, I'm Ashley Smith Thomas, a millennial talking about freedom and national security for America. I'm the founder of Freedoms Fund USA, a nonprofit to protect freedom and national security. I am a speaker, advocate, and thought leader. I spent 2016 saving Christians targeted by ISIS in the Middle East. This was truly an eye-opening and life-changing experience as I watched and learned from my fellow Christians who longed for freedom. It was that experience that became the inspiration to start this show. In this show, come with me as I interview experts about key freedom issues in America and how we can protect freedom. Because if we lose our freedom, how can we bring freedom to the whole world? Let's take action together and let freedom ring. Hi, my name is Ashley Smith Thomas, and I am the host of Freedom Talks. The purpose of this show is to educate Americans on key freedom and national security issues. I like to bring on subject matter experts who can speak to these issues and then empower us on how we can make a difference through a call to action so that way we can protect freedom. A concern that we have is China. We believe that China is a threat to our national security. We see China's influence in America from our entertainment and culture all the way to our educational system through the Confucius Centers and Confucius Institutes. We also see China flexing their muscle militarily we also see them threatening war with Taiwan and Hong Kong and taking over Hong Kong. But what does this mean for the United States? What does this mean for our national security? And should Americans be concerned about China's expansionism efforts on the global scale? Well, with me today, I have the incredible honor of introducing a subject matter expert who can speak to this situation. His name is Gordon Chang. Gordon G. Chang is the author of The Great U.S.-China Tech War and Losing South Korea, booklets released by Encounter Books. His previous books are Nuclear Showdown, North Korea Takes on the World, and The Coming Collapse of China, both from Random House. Chang lived and worked in China and Hong Kong, practicing law for almost two decades. His writings on China and Korea have appeared in the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, the National Interest, the American Conservative, Commentary, National Review, Barron's, and the Daily Beast. He is a columnist at Newsweek and writes regularly for The Hill. Chang has appeared on CNN, Fox News Channel, Fox Business Network, CNBC, MSNBC, PBS, the BBC, the Bloomberg Television, and he's also a regular co-host and guest on CBS Eye on the World with John Batchelor. Chang has served two terms as a trustee of Cornell University, and you can follow him on Twitter at Gordon G. Chang. Gordon, thank you so much for being with me today. I greatly appreciate it, and I'm excited to have you on Freedom Talks as we talk about these national security issues. Well, thank you so much, Ashley. It's great to be here. Thank you. Well, first off, I just want to uh, mention that I had heard you speak at Debbie Georgiatis' event back in September when she had her Women for Freedom event, and it was just astounding as you were sharing about China and how China has their mandate under heaven. Can you explain to us what that means? Because I don't think a whole lot of Americans know or even have heard the term mandate under heaven. Yeah, mandate over he under heaven really is um, what Chinese emperors for two millennia believed in. That they had this mandate over Tianxia, or all under heaven, which meant that they believed that they were only the only sovereign rulers in the world. 
The reason why this is important is because Xi Jinping for two decades has been recycling Tianxia Mandate of Heaven themes through his speeches and pronouncements. And so have his subordinates who've been very clear that China's ambitions are to rule the world. Um, and also they're now talking about ruling the moon and Mars. And yeah, this does sound ludicrous, but no, I'm not exaggerating. Uh, these are the most ambitious rulers in history. And that means that they believe that the United States should be subordinate to China, that we're just a colony. Um, and that's why this is important for us. You mentioned that they're wanting to even expand out to the moon. I mean, that does sound crazy, but I know under the Trump administration, he had launched Space Force. What is the concern of China now getting involved in outer space? I mean, what, what threat does that pose? Well, there are a number of them. Um, you know, first of all, um, they, they, if they control space, they can basically control the Earth. Um, they're, they're putting into uh, orbit satellites like they did on October 24th that can crush American ones. So they have this really um, uh, robust anti-satellite policy. But there's something more than that. So we know in late July, they orbited a hypersonic glide vehicle around the Earth. And this was just a test. And when it came back to Earth, it was missed its target by about 24, 25 miles. But they'll be able to improve the accuracy. Now, hypersonic glide vehicles are designed to carry nuclear weapons. And there's something called the Outer Space Treaty to which China is a party. And the Outer Space Treaty prohibits the orbiting of weapons of mass destruction. So with this test, Beijing was generally announcing its intention to violate the Outer Space Treaty. We are a half decade behind. Uh, and that's if we started a similar program. We're really just not in this game. The reason why hypersonic glide vehicles are so important is because they travel so fast and they orbit the Earth, they can drop down on an American city without warning. Well, and I know, too, I mean, there's been some propaganda videos that I've seen where China has now built out a more robust military. They're flexing their muscle militarily. Um, are you concerned now that with the hypersonic capabilities and then now that they're flexing their military, do you think China is trying to position for war with the United States? Well, they're certainly preparing for it. Um, and when, from what we can hear from their propaganda, they're laying the basis for a justification of the strike on the United States. So, for instance, um, uh, at the end of August, uh, People's Daily, which is the most authoritative publication in China, actually talked about how the United States was um, involved in, quote unquote, barbaric acts against China. And we have to go back to May of 2019 when People's Daily carried a piece that declared a, quote unquote, people's war um, on, on the United States. So really what we're seeing is Beijing um, getting the Chinese people prepared for war. Now, I don't know if they're actually going to launch one, but they can take us by surprise for a number of reasons. So yes, we've, we've got to be prepared that China will, in one way or another, um, start a conflict. Uh, and um, this is this this conflict, we know, could end up uh, with nuclear weapons because of their hypersonic glide vehicle and other things that they are doing to build the world's biggest nuclear arsenal. 
we see to um, just China's influence, even with our education system, with these Confucius Institutes that are happening. And I know last year, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo and Secretary of Education Betsy DeVos had sent out a warning to schools about the Confucius Institutes. And when it appears that China has some great influence here across our nation, is China a national security threat? And should Americans truly be concerned about the future of America at this rate? Well, there's no greater national security threat than China. Now, you can talk about Russia, you can talk about Iran or North Korea, um, but these are small threats compared to China. And actually, to the extent that Russia, Iran, China, and others pose a threat to the U.S., it's because China backs them and makes them stronger. So we don't really have a North Korea problem. We've got a China problem um, because it's China that makes North Korea such a danger to the United States and to the international community. So yes, China is a threat. And we shouldn't be allowing, you mentioned Confucius Institutes, we shouldn't be allowing them in our campuses. Um, they're fortunately because of, for instance, um, your Senator, um, uh, Ted Cruz, um, they've been uh, closing uh, Confucius Institutes, but they've been reopening the similar centers under different names. And the other thing, Ashley, that we've got to be concerned about is that there are some 500 Confucius classrooms in our secondary schools. Because mm. Confucius Institutes are on college campuses, universities, but we got to worry about the secondary schools. And as we have learned recently, um, what teachers are, are actually um, saying in these classes is really dangerous. Do you think, because we're hearing so much of the critical race theory, we're hearing a lot of this communistic type propaganda in our education system, does China have a role or a hand in that and what we're hearing teachers teach students across the nation? We can just see from their propaganda that um, China has been um, fully behind critical race theory instruction. Um, we really, we have um, also, when you start to look at Chinese propaganda, especially in beginning in March, but before that, but especially it was ramped up in March about uh, attacks on the United States as being um, racially bigoted. Our, our foreign policies are, are supposed to be based on white supremacy. Um, ridiculous charges, but nonetheless, China is trying to stir up racial tension in the United States. And so this is, this is China giving force to uh, Americans who want to take down our country. Do you think that uh, these different types of communistic movements that we're seeing across the nation. I mean, we saw this with Antifa. We saw this with Black Lives Matter last year where BLM had caused $2 billion worth of damage just last year alone. Did China have a role in that as well in terms of fueling the hatred and, and the uh, intensity surrounding George Floyd's death? Well, certainly China had a role in this. Um, Radio Free Asia, for instance, reports that an intelligence unit of the People's Liberation Army actually based themselves in the now closed Houston consulate. And from there, they used big data and artificial intelligence to identify Americans likely to participate in Black Lives Matter and Antifa protests. And then the Chinese military actually produced and sent via TikTok um, videos to those Americans on how to riot. So this is more than, than just subversion. This is an act of war. Um, another one, uh, and this is on the surface, um, Chen Weiwang, who is the European bureau chief for China Daily, which is an official Communist Party publication, 
on October 18th of last year, actually tweeted out that he hoped that Americans would throw petrol bombs on our streets. Um, and by the way, Chen was not the platform for what is uh, an act of war, certainly a violation of federal law. Um, so China, both openly and um, under the surface, has been fueling racial tension and encouraging the violent overthrow of the United States government. You had mentioned the AI capabilities um, and TikTok. Are you concerned that as these tech companies in Silicon Valley continue to grow and expand and embrace more of the AI type technology, like how Mark Zuckerberg recently uh, promoted the metaverse where everything's virtual and holograms, are you concerned that that would lead to a pathway of surveillance and China now basically surveying or surveilling Americans? Well, yes. Um, and China has done all that it possibly can to surveil Americans. And TikTok um, is one of those vehicles. Um, TikTok has been caught a number of times um, engaging in uh, illegal surveillance. Uh, also, some other things. Um, TikTok, remember, is owned by ByteDance, which is nominally a private company. But China's 2017 national intelligence law requires all Chinese organizations, all Chinese nationals to spy um, at the demand of um, the authorities in China. Also, the Communist Party's top-down system requires that as well. And we shouldn't have TikTok in our country. President Trump um, banned it, but that ban, um, that, that initiative was um, ended by the Biden administration. And the same thing with WeChat in terms of surveillance of Americans. Um, and I think that this is, this is a question, yeah, of course, China is trying to surveil us. But this really is an issue of American feebleness, that we don't have a political system, we don't have a judicial system that is protecting us. As a matter of fact, that President Biden has gone out of the way to let the Chinese do this. This is just wrong. Sure, absolutely. And do you feel like because of our feebleness right now, China is more inclined to exploit that and take advantage of our political situation Oh, yes. I mean, that's why they're trying to stir up racial tension, um, because that's that's what they want to do. I mean, and, and China's efforts are massive. Um, for instance, Twitter in June of last year took down 174,000 fake Chinese accounts. So you can see that their efforts dwarf Russia's. So they're much more relentless. They're much more determined than Russia is in this regard. And we Americans are not defending ourselves. Why do you think that is? I mean, why do you think Americans are not defending themselves? That's a great question. Uh, I think there are a lot of reasons for it. Um, part of it is because, you know, after the end of the Cold War, we didn't think any of this mattered, that uh, we could get along with everybody, including China. Um, you know, we, Francis Fukuyama, the famous American political scientist, said history had ended, which by that he meant that... Um, Every society was going to evolve eventually to a liberal democracy and free market economics. So we just didn't start, you know, we just felt it didn't really matter what the Chinese were doing. Also, we're Americans. And we Americans just feel that we're entitled to be oblivious about what our enemies say about us. I mean, we ignored what Osama bin Laden was doing for so many years. I mean, there was the 1993 World Trade bombing that killed six Americans or something. We didn't care, you know, only until 9-11, um, when he killed almost 3,000 Americans, did we actually start paying attention. Well, China is so much more powerful than Osama bin Laden. 
it's just as malicious um, and it's far more dangerous than than um, that terrorist ever could be. So, yeah, this is this is a real issue for us. We just believe that we're protected by two coasts and we don't really have to care about what um, adversaries and enemies say about us. When you mentioned Osama bin Laden, I'm glad that you brought that up. I mean, we watched what happened a couple months ago there in Afghanistan and the debacle of a withdrawal process, but reports had indicated that leaders of the Taliban had actually met with the foreign minister of China two weeks before our withdrawal. Uh, and one can surmise that China's, you know, may, maybe made a deal with the Taliban for rare earth elements since Afghanistan holds $1 trillion worth are you concerned with China now working with terrorist organizations that are enemies to the United States to uh, continue to try and bring down America? Do you see China getting involved with these different terrorist organizations? Well, that meeting you referred to, I think, was July 28th when mm -hmm. Wang Yi, the foreign minister, met uh, senior members of uh, the Taliban, in, and that was on Chinese soil, Tianjin. Um, the China's had a deep relationship with the Taliban, both before and after 9-11. Um, for instance, um, even after 9-11, um, China was uh, putting together a communications network in Kabul for the Taliban. And after the Taliban was expelled from power, you know, we did that. And while they were conducting an insurgency, China was supplying them with arms, including anti-aircraft missiles that were used to kill Americans and um, NATO forces. And, and this Chinese support for the killing of Americans has continued to recent times because in December, Indian intelligence was instrumental in breaking up uh, an Afghan ring composed of Chinese spies and members of the Haqqani network. And the Trump administration believes that the Chinese portion of that ring, among other things, was paying cash for the killing of Americans. Um, you know, we've had uh, presidents going back for a very long time, all of them, who knew what was going on had the means to stop it and didn't do so. Why do you think the United States is not holding China accountable? I mean, there's a lot of grievances in which we could hold them accountable. It appeared that President Trump was the only president that was at least trying to hold them accountable. But why does it appear that our leaders on Capitol Hill and in the White House just refuse to hold China accountable? Well, you know, if you, you take an administration by administration, has different reasons. Um, so the Biden administration, it, it's very clear. You know, John Kerry, who's the climate czar, was saying, look, we're going to ignore human rights because we need a climate deal, which is overarchingly important. Um, you know, now with um, what looks like a failure of COP26, the, the global climate meeting in Glasgow, maybe the Biden administration will change their tact on this. But we really don't know at this point. Um, you know, every, I have to say every American president um, in the first months in office tries to see if they can come to some terms with China. Um, and so, you know, the Biden administration is still in that phase. Now, I think they're going to learn that they can't. So, for instance, Xi Jinping, the Chinese ruler, didn't go to the G20 summit in Rome. Um, he, he did, he's not in, um, and he's not going to COP26. So maybe Biden will eventually change. Um, but you know, every administration finds out that they can't deal with China. And that's, that's our fault. I mean, we should know from the get go, the Chinese regime, um, hates America. They hate America because they're deathly afraid of us. They're deathly afraid of us because they realize the inspirational impact we have on the Chinese people. 
Because when people protest like they did in Hong Kong, what do they do? They fly our flag and they sing our anthem. And, and, and you know, in a political system that oppresses its people, they're, they're fr- deathly afraid of that. So um, there's nothing that we can do um, to make the Chinese like us or to come to terms with us or to cooperate with us. And it's up to us to realize that and to start defending Americans. Uh, no American president um, since Eisenhower has really had a re- robust China policy. Some are better, like Trump is much better, who did break the 50-year consensus on engagement of China. But, um, you know, Trump had China failings as well. So we've just got to, you know, as we go along, we can see how China is not getting better. So we've got to start defending ourselves. And that's why each president has more of a responsibility to cut off our relations with China to protect Americans, because protecting Americans is the number one goal of every president. And Biden is failing on that. Do you think presidents uh, before and and even now, uh, President Biden, do you think the reason why that they are not cutting um, ties with China, particularly from a corporation standpoint and technology and and all of that, do you think it's because they're afraid that there's going to be implications on the economy, that it would impact us negatively economically? Sure. Um, Walmart, Wall Street, always make those arguments. Um, But we've got to remember, uh, and and this was very clear when President Trump, to his great credit, imposed tariffs under Section 301 of the Trade Act of 1974. Um, He did that in 2018, and it was supposed to be a remedy for the theft of U.S. intellectual property. Um, China steals something like, you know, 500 billion, maybe 600 billion dollars of U.S. IP every year. And we've got to remember that, yeah, things might go up a little bit more expensive on tariffs. Um, but think of all the Americans who have lost their livelihoods, who have lost incomes, who have lost their companies because of China. And by the way, Ashley, China actually absorbs most of the cost of those tariffs. They've done studies on this. And it's the Chinese who, by and large, pay the overwhelming portion of those tariffs. And we've got to keep them on. And the Biden administration is sort of signaling, well, yeah, they'll, they'll not... Um, at least uh, get rid of the tariffs across the board, but they're giving exemptions like crazy to the tariffs. So that's really wrong. Sure. And speaking of, you had brought up the G20 summit um, and how you mentioned that China, uh, President Xi was not president, uh, president at the summit. Um, something that was reported was particularly the emphasis on climate change among the nations. And it was reported that China, Russia, and India were not present, even though China is a major polluter. Why do you think China was not present? Why do you think President Xi was not there? Well, most people say, and I think it's true, that he did not want to face criticism. He did not want to be put into a corner. Um, I, and, and Putin wasn't there uh, uh, either. Um, I think that in, in Xi Jinping's case, it really was that he was afraid of being deposed. He's got real problems at home. And he knows that um, a leader who leaves the country is vulnerable. So I think that also played a part in, in his decision not to go to either the G20 or COP26. Since he has such problems at home, do you think that... Uh, in their attempt to flex their muscles militarily, do you think China would actually seize control of Taiwan? 
Um, it's possible. Now, there are a lot of reasons why they wouldn't do it. So, for instance, Xi Jinping, if he were decided to evade Taiwan, would have to give some general or admiral almost complete control of the Chinese military. And that would make that flag officer the most powerful figure in China. And Xi Jinping's just not about to do that. Also, I think that Xi Jinping would be believes that um, an invasion of Taiwan would not be popular at this time. Um, the casualties would be horrendous and the Communist Party might not survive it. But that's in a rational world. Those are rational factors. There are other factors that would push him to do it. And one of them is that he's got a very low threshold of risk right now. Um, he may feel that because of being blamed for all these policy debacles and failures that, you know, he's going to be tossed out of power anyway. He could lose his life. So he might as well roll the dice. And the other thing, actually, is it's not just a question of uh, China invading Taiwan, deciding to invade Taiwan. It's that there is some sort of accident in the air or on the surface of the sea um, that spirals down into a crisis that eventually ends up in China deciding that it has to continue and invades Taiwan. So there's a, a lot of ways that this could really go wrong. There have been some reports that people are concerned uh, just militarily here on the uh, here for the United States with our Navy and our Air Force, the level of equipment, how things are outdated. And then, of course, you see the Chinese propaganda videos where they seem to be advancing and building their military. Do you think that the United States, should there be war in the future, do you think that the United States is prepared or even ready for that possibility? I don't think that we're ready. Um, and there are a number of reasons for that. I mean, our military is better than their military, but we've got global responsibilities and they can put more assets at the point of contact than we can right now. But that worries me. But what worries me a lot more is the political leadership in the United States right now. And another thing, and that is, especially the Navy is a very sick institution right now. They've had those two destroyer accidents in 2017, which just showed a failure of basic seamanship. That uh, And this was a, a leadership problem because we have a Navy that's not trained. We had the fire at the Bonhomme Richard last year, showed a glaring lack of safety, basic safety precautions. The Navy can't build ships these days. You know, you've got the littoral combat ships, which may not be worth very much. And with their flagship, which is the Ford, their new class of aircraft carriers, they can't get that thing out and actually um, on the high seas ready for battle. So the Navy is really, really a troubled institution. And we see these troubles across the Pentagon where you have far too much bureaucracy. It's a question of whether they have a military which is lethal. And I'm afraid that it isn't. Oh, and one more thing. You know, the Chinese are, are fully prepared to take down all our satellites. I don't know if, if our Air Force, if our Navy can actually operate where they don't have access to space. You know, this is a very simple thing. I, I hope that they've been training for an analog world um, because that's where we're going to find ourselves. I mean, we see the threat from a space level and uh, we also see China moving forward in their Belt and Road Initiative, further expanding, even flipping allies against us. Do you see a presence of China even in South America and Mexico? And should we be concerned with this crisis at the border? 
Well, a um, couple things there. Um, it's it's not only in Mexico; it's in Cuba. It's in Cuba. Um, it's in the Bahamas. Um, Belt and Road generally doesn't bother me too much because what China's doing is building a lot of infrastructure that the private sector wouldn't build. It's not economic. Um, and in, in Beijing, Belt and Road is not considered to be a success. But there are elements of Belt and Road which are, are really of great concern. So, for instance, you know, China is building a $3 billion container port in Freeport in the Bahamas, much too big. China is going to basically repossess that at some point. And that means they'll have a Navy base 87 miles east of Palm Beach. So, yeah, I mean, that is a concern. Um, so China is in the region. Um, it is very much um, in, in many ways, it's ahead of us in our in our own region. And um, in Cuba, they got uh, they've taken over the Lord's um, listening post, which was the Soviet Union's biggest listening post outside of the Soviet soil. So, yeah, we, we've got to be really concerned about what these guys are doing. Um, you know, on the southern border issue, it's a little bit different. What we're seeing in the southern border are not Mexicans trying to get into the U.S., but people from Central America, the Northern Triangle countries. And the reason why they're doing that is because their societies were destabilized as factories left Central America for China. We can solve this actually quite easy. Um, We can have, for instance, uh, a much better CAFTA agreement, which is the free trade agreement with Central America. We do a lot of things to change that. We encourage factories to come back to the Northern Triangle. That means that those societies will be stabilized, which means Central Americans wouldn't be pressing our southern border. Do you think that the uh, CCP in any way is maybe even funding these large caravans? Because people have been asking, where's who's paying for these caravans to come up to the border? Especially when you hear that there's going to be droves of 300,000 plus on their way to the Texas-Mexico border. Do you know if China has any involvement in funding that caravan? I don't. You know, I, I don't know if they're funding it. Um, I think they're taking advantage of it because the Chinese fentanyl gangs are bringing that drug into the U.S. in record quantities across the southern border. And fentanyl, these large, large-scale fentanyl gangs um, in Beijing's near total surveillance state, they know exactly what these gangs are doing. And so Beijing is behind it because they want to kill Americans. Um and they, they launder the money through the state banks. So last year, we don't know exactly how many Americans were killed with fentanyl. Some people say 53,000. But however many, each of those fentanyl deaths should be considered a murder. And China is the perpetrator. That's good. And I mean, even same thing, too, what we saw with with COVID as well. I mean, there's definitely a lot of reasons to hold China accountable for what they have done to the American population, even to the innocent civilians across the world. Um, Why do you think that our leaders are just not even holding China accountable for what happened with COVID and how it leaked out of Wuhan? Well, if they held China accountable, um, they would basically have to break relations with Beijing. Um, because about 750,000 Americans have been killed with this disease. Uh, this is not just sort of natural spread of disease. China's leaders um, deliberately took steps in the end of 2019, beginning of 2020, to spread this disease beyond China's borders. 
You know, Ashley, we can't hold our hands over our hearts and say 100% we know where COVID came from. Mm -hmm. I I think it was an accidental release from the Wuhan Institute of Virology, but I don't know 100%. But there is something I know 100%, and that is that China's leaders lied about the transmissibility of this disease. They knew it was highly contagious, but they told the world it was not. And at the same time, they were locking down their own country while they were pressuring other countries, including the United States, not to impose travel restrictions and quarantines on arrivals from China. And it was those arrivals from China that took a disease that should have been confined to the central parts of that country, and they made it into a global pandemic. So this was deliberate, and that means every American COVID death was unnecessary, which makes every American COVID death a murder. Now, you try to hold China accountable for that, then you basically have got to break off relations. And I think we absolutely have to do that. But political leaders haven't wanted to do that. Now, President Trump wanted to do it, but President Trump is no longer in the Oval Office. So um, we've got a problem. And one more thing, if I can, and that is China's working on um, diseases which afflict only non-Chinese. And that means the next disease from China could leave basically China as the world's only viable society. And Xi Jinping knows that he spread COVID-19. He did it with impunity. Nobody's imposed costs on him. So what's to stop him from spreading this next bug from China, which could be that civilization killer? Oh, my gosh. I have so many more questions, but I'm going to have to have you come back on the program because I would love to expand and uh, talk more about that because that's intriguing. But before we leave here, can you share with our viewers a call to action? I mean, you shared such great insight about the threat of China, but what can viewers do here at home to make a difference? Well, we need to sever relations with China. And I know that that sounds extreme, but we have to cut off the blood supply to those who mean us harm. So that means we need to cut trade, cut investment, technical cooperation agreements, and all the rest of it. Now, one of the things that we Americans can do right away is just not buy Chinese goods. And um, here, this is something called cool, which is really important. That's cool as in C-O-O-L, country of origin labeling, Senate Bill 1260, the United States Innovation and Competition Act has the cool provision in it. Senator Rick Scott, the Florida Republican, put that in. That would require websites to tell us where products come from. And that bill right now is stalled, as are all other bills at the very moment. But we need to have country of origin labeling. That means we can make informed decisions about not buying Chinese stuff. We cut off the flow of money. That goes a long way to protecting the United States. So that's one thing that we Americans can do right away. And the other thing, of course, is don't invest in Chinese stocks and tell your broker not to invest in them. And also don't invest in in mutual funds that include Chinese stocks. Little bit by little bit, we can cut the flow of cash to China. And by cutting the flow of cash to China, we give them less and fewer and fewer resources in which to harm us. That's so good. Well, thank you so much, Gordon, for being with us today. And I look forward to having you back because I feel like we could just talk even more. So I look forward to to having you. And thank you again for coming on. It's such a pleasure to have you. Oh, well, thank you so much, Ashley. I, I really enjoyed our conversation.
Thank you. Well, as I wrap up here, I would like to thank Vibrant Health MD for making this episode possible. Vibrant Health MD is a health and wellness practice right here in Plano, Texas. They are a health and wellness practice that helps you discover a healthy life so you can live your best life. Visit vibranthealthmd.com for more information. And as I close again, I just want to thank Gordon for coming on this show. And there's just something that we can all glean from what he had shared with us in that China truly is a threat to our national security. But Americans, we we are feeble. We're not paying attention. We're not watching. And it's time that as Americans, we start becoming aware and alert of what is taking place here on the home front and even what's going on internationally. So I encourage you to encourage your friends and family to start researching the history of China, how China is advancing, the threats that pose to our country, but more importantly, encourage your friends and family to start critically thinking for themselves. I mean, we have threats, but we need to understand those threats so that way we can go out and protect freedom. And I've said this many times before, but in the famous words of President Ronald Reagan, evil is powerless if the good are unafraid. So it's going to need to take people like us to be unafraid, to do our part, to protect freedom, and then also reach out to your uh, U.S. representatives and senators to push forward the uh, bill that's cool so that way they can uh, start labeling these country of origin uh, products and so that we can do our part in holding China accountable. So again, let us push back against this darkness because I believe that together we will stand for righteousness, speak truth, and protect freedom. Thank you and God bless. 